As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? All right, welcome in to Hear That Podcast Growling. I am Paul Nader Jr. here with Jay Morrison of The Athletic. We're talking all things Bengals. It's bye week. Good news is, Jay, nothing going on in the world. So everyone can just relax and just let the tension out because there's nothing to be tense about, you know. I'm tense. I'm hanging in limbo. I mean, what's the second half of the season going to look like? Yeah, <laughs> That's right. What is it going to look like? I know for this weekend, it's going to look like me with a drink in my hand with my feet up on Sunday. It's the uh, the one, really, the, one of the few Sundays. Technically, everyone's all going to Monday night game, but for the most part, uh, one of the few open weekends in the fall, and I, I try to enjoy. I, I try one of my favorite things to do that you guys as listeners get to do all the time is sit back and watch red zone and just take in the NFL day. We never really get to do that. So I'm excited to do that on Sunday. Always one of my favorite bi-week traditions is just beer red zone and uh, get the, the one week to do that. So looking forward to that this weekend. I was just going to ask if you have red zone because it's it. I mean, I guess if it's part of a package, it makes sense, but we, it makes no sense for us to buy it because you can never, use it well you get the bye week and then you get if there's a thursday or monday game you can use it yeah i will go over to like either a friend or my folks house or somebody they had who has it yeah i don't i don't have it here um but i will always try to throw my feet up and do it we've got a lot to get to today uh as a reminder we've got our special bye week uh here where we we waited till today wednesday to post this to let the trade deadline go ahead and pass the very active wheeling and dealing trade deadline uh, you know, this was more like the trade deadlines that we used to see two and three years ago. And before that, uh, there's been an expectation in recent years that they're more active, but this was more of an old school kind of boring one for a number of reasons. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, but we'll, on Monday is going to be our Burrow sode, our special Joe Burrow episode, all things Joe Burrow's first half, second half full analysis, which will be a part of a bigger package uh, that we're going to have up on the site on The Athletic. Uh, so keep an eye out for that coming Monday. Really excited about that. I think you all are going 
to like it. Um, also, reminder, our deal now, $1 a week. $1 a week. If you, you, you snoozed and you lost, if you haven't done it yet, on we, used to, we, we did have the $1 a month going for our million subscribers. Now it's $1 a week. Uh, deal, but you could still a good deal, still a discount if you want to get on board and get all of our coverage everywhere. One dollar per week. Go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast growling to subscribe. Uh, we're going to talk trade deadline. We're going to talk a little bit about what the offensive line should look like in Pittsburgh. And then we're going to close it out kind of with a smorgasbord of our first half awards. We're going to kind of run through some of our MVPs, defensive player of the year, pleasant surprise disappointments the good the bad the ugly we'll dive into all of those we got to run past our boot update on the growler bet oh no so close so close (laughs) so sad sad. yes starting to gaining some momentum two weeks in a row now taking it to you people (laughs) no growler bet this weekend with no game but we'll be back on it for the pittsburgh game all right let's dive in um Trade deadline, no, nothing happens. Obviously, we had the Dunlap deal last week, so you know something did happen. Only the second time they've made a trade in season since 1985 happened this year, so that is something. But for people that were looking for John Ross or maybe Billy Price, who were kind of some of the more obvious potential targets, um, no deal. And you're, what you saw was the entire league just not really have an interest in that this year. And, and, and there's a, a number of reasons for it. I think some of the biggest would be, you know, the uncertainty of the salary cap. People don't want to be taking on stuff um, and adding to salary cap issues potentially going forward and what that money looks like. Um, the COVID complications of, okay, you trade for somebody. Well, it's six days are not there. There's a little less value in that. It just – was the deals you did see, the bigger deals you did see happened early for just that reason. People just, you needed time to get these guys in the building anyway, so just fire them off. All the defensive, the edge rushers that went along with Dunlap, Everson Griffin, you know, we saw some of that stuff happen. You know, Pittsburgh adds Avery Williamson at linebacker to fill a spot, but for the most part, uh, pretty calm. I, I mean, not really much of a surprise there. No, and, and like you said, it not just the uncertainty about the salary cap next year, but if, if you trade, like if you if if you if you were a team that was a buyer and you were looking for a big player to come in and make an impact, kind of like the Packers looking for a wide receiver, you, you go up to the deadline, you trade for a guy, and not only are you not going to have him for Week Nine, you have to pay him. He's on your salary now that you trade for him. You have to pay him to not play for one week, and then you only get him for Week Ten on. It just it, there was a lot, so many different reasons that it, it wasn't just the Bengals this year. It was there was a lot of teams that were um, reluctant to trade. We we did see a, a handful of moves, but nothing major. It was a lot of you know kind of back end roster guys. The the Jets Steelers trade was a big one. Um, Steelers desperately needed a line linebacker and, and got Avery Williams, but yeah, not not much going on and not much was expected. I kind of thought maybe there would be an offer for Billy Price, but you know, there's. I don't. I don't think there's a team in contention that that is desperate for a center right now. Had had we seen a guy, a starting center, get hurt last week, uh, I think a team might have made an offer that that could have enticed the Bengals because they've got three centers on the roster now. And yeah, Zach talked about how how much Billy is everything they want in a player, but 
if they had gotten a, a decent offer, I don't think they would have hesitated to, to ship him off. Yeah, there just weren't many decent offers for anybody. I mean, it's, last right. year we saw some crazy stuff happening. Most new for a two, you know. I wouldn't say Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders for a three was crazy, but we we saw uh, people were willing. There was a there was a willingness to give up future assets, and teams just didn't want to part with those picks this year. I mean, they're, they're going to be even more valuable going forward, and you know you're going to want more guys on those rookie contracts. So. Um, it just seemed like people were kind of holding on to those for dear life. And then when it comes to John Ross, everyone's favorite topic, you know, I, I wrote this on Twitter and Twib and, and, and I think it's important to view it this way. W- what is John Ross's value to this team, to this franchise right now? If you're, if we're going to dissect the seventh receiver, um, it is, if something happens at receiver, like has happened at offensive line. You have a guy that can come in and and can play for you, you know that can make some plays for you that has a skill, um, and would be that knows your system, and you know has been in around here, and that's to me more valuable than whatever anybody was potentially offering for Ross, which was obviously maybe nothing, um, and so his real value is just on this team. It's just hanging out. And, and you know, that speech about Billy price, we talked a little bit about this in the walkout might as well have said, Billy price is about everything. By the way, let's put a spotlight on the people that are doing the opposite of that right now. Yes. Carlos Dunlap, John Ross, get demotions, have face adversity are, you know, inactive or whatever, uh, less role, and complain, whine, don't practice, ask for trades. You know, I think all they're, all they're asking is practice hard, play hard, try, and be ready when your opportunity comes. Now, opportunity hasn't come at receiver. And there is no way you can make an argument. There is just no way to say that Auden Tate and Mike Thomas – have not proven that they make more winning play don't make more winning plays than John Ross that you've seen from John Ross consistently during his career. What they have done, what you look at Tate against the Titans, look at some of the plays that Thomas has made, have been tough plays, winning plays, winning football, whether blocking. I mean, Tate with the huge block on the Geo touchdown run against the Titans. Thomas has made some great contested catches when he's been in there. Tate, obviously. You know, I mean, Tate may be MVP, you know, arguably uh, under the radar MVP from the Titans game. And that's just the type of stuff that, that John just hasn't done. You've not had a situation where you're like, oh, man, John really came through, really made some winning plays. And that's that's just that's consistent throughout his career. And so, you know, for people who are saying, oh, yeah, you know, you got to get him, get him out there or whatever. I, he, I think it's kind of been proven he's where he belongs on the depth chart right now. Well, here's the question. If there is an injury. And suddenly they need another wide receiver. Is it John Ross or is it Stanley Morgan? Because Stanley, they could easily call up from the practice squad and dress him ahead of John Ross. And he's not going to give you what John gives you as a speed guy, but he he is valuable. He played a lot on special teams last year. Now, I don't know if he would jump in front of somebody that's currently playing on special teams, but it would not shock me at all if if that were the case, if if there was an injury at receiver and they they had to they had to dress another guy if maybe it is Stanley Morgan ahead of John Ross. That's just how far John Ross has fallen. He hasn't gotten a chance to make a lot of plays this year. He played in the opener. Um, he played in the Cleveland game and 
just looked lost out there. I think that was kind of the final straw for this for this coaching staff. Um, you mentioned in Twib, this is now two coaching staffs that haven't been able to get anything out of John Ross. And there was he exploded last year, played great in that opener at Seattle. Um, then got hurt, and when he came back, he was just that that same guy that was lacking confidence and and making mistakes. And they gave him one more shot this year, and he 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 was really bad in that Cleveland game. I just I would be surprised. Unless there's multiple, like you said, if it's like an offensive line situation where there's multiple injuries, I'd be surprised if we see him do much of anything the rest of this year. I would agree, but he, you know, he's he's there as insurance policy, and I'm just not going to waste much more breath talking about the seventh receiver. So let's <laughs> let's move on. Um, I, I want to talk about what, what what should the offensive line look like in Pittsburgh because we, we've we've kind of now as you we had you had injuries, you had the backups playing well. You have new guys here. There's a really interesting dynamic. I think if you're the Bengals, you're you're taking your puzzle that you put together earlier and you're ripping all the puzzle pieces apart and you're setting them back in front of you during this bye. We can say, okay, how sh- how can we how should we best put this thing back together again? Uh, we talked to Zach Taylor a little bit about it uh, on Monday, and he was quick to point out, look, we felt also the starters were really improving and playing p- pretty well, at least trending in the right direction before they all got hurt and just because the backups came in and had some good games against now and, and should be said um you know burrow did a lot to make it not look bad as far as sacks and pressures and, and his work his work in the pocket was just masterful um also tennessee is not pittsburgh in fact they're the opposite of pittsburgh <laughs> tennessee has gotten no pass rush pretty much all year pittsburgh is unstoppable getting after the passer. And so, and a lot of teams will be like that. So there's something to be said. But still, you've now got, you know, you've got Jonah Williams, Hakeem Adeniji, Michael Jordan, Alex Redman, B.J. Finney, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Billy Price, Fred Johnson, Bobby Hart eventually will be back. Um, he looks like, hey, he'll, he'll probably be back against Pittsburgh. How would you put it together? I have I have kind of mine. How would you put it together? And then we'll talk about what we think what you know what we expect to happen. Well, there's only one real question in my mind. I'm assuming it's all hands on deck, that everybody's healthy coming out of the bye, which is a good a let's good, take Bobby Hart off the table, assuming we're gonna we'll, we're okay. he's not gonna play in Pittsburgh. All right. Well my one my one question was gonna be right guard. Is do you bring Xavier Suofilo back or do you if he's 100% healthy, or do you go with Quentin Spain? I mean, Quentin Spain played pretty well um, it, for given that he had only had a walkthrough or two. Um, that was going to be my question is what do they do at right guard? If if Bobby Hart cannot go, um, I think it's Fred out at the right side. Yep. We, we saw when Fred went to left tackle and Jonah got hurt, and then when Bobby Hart got hurt, they flipped Fred over, Fred over to the right and put Hakeem at left, which seemed odd. You're putting a rookie in there for the first time ever at left tackle, the, more, the harder, the more important spot. But uh, Brian Callahan talked about how Hakeem was strictly a left guard in, in, or left a left tackle. tackle in college, and he was just more comfortable there. Fred has played left and right, and they just they thought that was the better way to go. Um, Fred has more experience; he's more comfortable on the right side. I think that's if if Bobby Hart can't go, I think that's the direction they go at Pittsburgh after the bye. And then the others, obviously, Michael Jordan's back, Jonah's back, and Trey Hopkins is back. Uh, I think they're back in their starting roles. 
Yeah, the Suafilo factor. Whenever he gets healthy, I didn't mention him. I mean, they they have so many guards now. I know. Also, they've just they've just kind of loaded up at the interior where they've been so thin and and just struggling so bad. You know, Alex Redman, for all that we've talked and has given them something. Alex Redman is still a guy who was on the street and nobody wanted him. Okay, but he's brought them some fire in the run game and you know some stability and he deserves credit for that i mean to come in and do that i mean it's been helpful for them certainly way better than whatever the heck was happening before that um that said i think there's got to be some acknowledgement of who this team is and, and and i think that plays a big role in forming who they should go forward with this team is joe burrow's team this team is a pass heavy Joe Burrow-led squad. That has been what they do best. And it doesn't mean they can't run the ball. They haven't done it very efficiently. Uh, both Gio and Joe Mixon, both at 3.6. And they had the Jacksonville game, and not much else has been great for them uh, in the run game outside of you know some some runs at the middle from Gio, what, what have you. But their weapon, their superpower is Joe Burrow, is the passing game, is empty set. So what I want my pass protectors in who are the guys who are going to be the best dropping back and pass pro? You know, and what are you getting there? And to me, I mean, that's that's Quentin Spade's calling card. He is he played. Mike Daniel said, man, he he played with that pure rage that of, of a guy who you got let go and has something to prove, and you want that too. And if if that's what Alex Redmond was giving you, but now you get it from Quentin Spain, who uh, is a better pass protector historically, and I think will be certainly a better pass protector than Alex Redmond is. Is his weakness? I think you have to make that move and bring him in at right guard. I'm with you on that. And, and maybe even over Suofilo. I, I don't know what happens there. I, I have questions about Michael Jordan. I yeah, I think there would be a consideration for me of if Suofilo comes back of going Spain at left guard and Suofilo at right guard. I, I, I think you'd consider that. And I don't even I don't really know what they think of BJ Finney or what his role is here. If he's just the third center, it seems like an odd thing, but whatever. Um, so I, that's the interesting thing to me. If if it were me, I and when Suofilo comes back, I think I would consider Jonah Williams, Quentin Spain at left guard, Trey Hopkins at center, Suofilo at right guard, and then what a Johnson or Bobby Hart if he's healthy at right tackle. Um it's going to be it, – It's. I'm really curious to see how they do that. Um, I just don't – I don't see how you can keep Alex Redman out there for as, as thankful as you are for him bringing you stability and fire and all those things they talk about. He's just – you know, he's still, a, he's still a liability in pass protection. And, you know, you want somebody who's going to give you what Spain gave you. And, uh, and he did that with not knowing anything. So I, I think to me that's – and I think that's – my my gut says and kind of you know the the tea leaves on that one is that's the way it will look is it will be they loved Michael Jordan so you'll see Jonah Williams Michael Jordan Trey Hopkins Spain and then Fred until Bobby Hart comes back and then we'll see what happened whenever Sofilo comes back too that we'll see if he comes back in or you know he that's gonna take some time he's gonna have to he hasn't been able to really work out as much I mean he's got to get back up in conditioning so there's, there's a lot of questions there too. Yeah, and the thing with Redmond is he not only is he a liability in pass pro, but he leads the team in penalties, and he hasn't 
he hasn't played as many games as those other guys. And it, that, that has been a knock on him since he's been here. Um, he's just that, that he's so hyped up and, and, and so aggressive that he, he, he false starts a lot. And Brian Callahan kind of chalked it up to getting used to Joe Burrow's cadence. But I, I don't know if, if that's solely what it is. It's, it just seems like that's something he struggled with. Um, and, and when your margin for error is as slim as the Bengals is, it, he, he seems to have these, these penalties at the worst possible time. I remember the, the game a couple of years ago down on the goal line in LA against the Chargers. Um, it's just, I, I, I think you're right. I I think that Quentin Spain is the way to go there, if Suafilo is not ready, um, and if Suafilo is ready, then I don't know. Maybe maybe they do go with Quentin Spain over over Michael Jordan. They, they've they've stood on the table for Michael Jordan since they drafted him. Um, that would be a a noticeable change to to replace him. But if if Quentin Spain's out playing him, they really have no chance. Yeah, I mean, I think they would give Michael Jordan a shot, but I mean, if he went out and had a couple of bad games, you could you could see a, a they have the ability to have a, a leash on that, you know, and and figure out what that looks like going forward. Then because they can't afford him to have some of the dud games that he's had this year at times. And um, they're they're not afraid to do the rotation thing. They did it at the end of last year. Um, they we they were planning on doing it with Calhoun in Spain. Um, you could even see them doing that where they have a kind of an apples to apples comparison where a guy is playing. How is he playing against the same exact team, the same exact team in the same game? Um, and maybe they, they use that as an evaluation tool. Um, it's maybe not the best way to go, but if, if they're trying to figure out who their guys are going forward, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them doing that at a couple positions. Yep. Something to keep an eye on and we'll keep track for you as uh, we get into next week. With Steelers Week, and so much of this stuff depends on health and who's getting back and who's actually going to be ready to play. Um, so we'll, we'll be uh, – the good news for them is, I mean, I think you have so much more comfort in their depth, and and that was the problem early in the year was, you know, you threw in the, the guard injury, and it was just, you know, they just didn't know what to do, and you're playing guys that haven't really played position. They're out of position and whatever. I mean, it, there seemed to be no answers there. Now they have multiple answers um, if somebody were to go down or they need to make a move or do they need to just push somebody who's not performing? So um, an advantage to that. Take a quick break in the show and uh, hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get into our uh, midseason awards. Cue the awards music. So I like to do this 
every year, and it's kind of fun to go back when the season ends because season ends, we tend to have a bit of a bias towards the last three or four games of a season and how we view the team. And what and I always find it interesting to look at our mid-season awards versus what the end-of-season awards end up being and how differently you viewed things and how much the second half of a season and recency bias altered your opinion on things. Um, that said, uh, let's let's dive through it. Okay, are we gonna are we gonna do this the cliche count one two three and say at the same time? Do you want to do this? Do we want do we want to go hokey with this? I think we should because I we we've got eight categories here, and yep. it wouldn't surprise me if four of them are the same. Yeah, that's, Some of that's them my over under. Yeah, you're gonna over unders on four of them. Saying, okay, we have not discussed any of this before. We have no. we have put in our separate ballots and not discussed our answers. Uh, so we're gonna we're none of the precincts are currently reporting. So let's we'll do we'll do each one on three. Okay, we'll start. MVP is the first uh, award. I would assume this will be the same. One, two, three. Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. I, yeah, I mean it has to be right. I mean there's just yeah. there's just no there's other, no question. There's no other way. Uh, we will spend an hour explaining our that answer on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I think but the really to I mean to me. It's just how quickly he's been able to reach the level that he's at and lead this team and be the face, not just the face, but the playmaker of this team. Um, you just don't see that a lot in rookies, and um, you know, he's been special. Yeah, I mean, there's really we'll, – we'll get to it all on on Monday. There's I, I If we polled every listener – I would I'd be surprised if you got more than two or three votes for anyone other than Joe Burrow. It's just it's that that locked in that that it's just a a, a stone cold lock. There's just no other choice. Um, now there the next one, defensive player of the year, um, I, I think is going to be obvious as well. But I, I don't think you could consider him the overall MVP. Yeah, I would agree. All right, so defensive player of the year, you said it. One, two, three, Jesse, Jesse Bates. Bates. Yep. Yep. I, you know, here's the thing about that. I have William Jackson the third as sort of an honorable mention on here for myself. You know, that I can make an argument how much, you know, he has meant to them when he's out there and how well he really has played. He's he's had some moments where they've gotten here, but he has really played well. And having that number one corner, I think, has made a big difference for them. And we've seen Teams pick on the other side a little bit. Um, they almost almost afraid to go at him. Uh, teams f- would rather just go after Phillips and, and Lashawn Sims. You know, Alexander has played pretty well in the slot. Teams haven't gone after him a ton. It's just teams are really targeting that other corner because Williams been really good. And I mean, he's shut down. They've they've had more of hey, you take that guy, which is really where where he thrives and uh, has thrived this year. So I. You know, I could make an argument for him, but that said, Jesse Bates is playing incredible. He's the best safety in football. He's their playmaker. He's getting picks. He's affecting the game. He, you know, he's really coming into his own, and uh, it's going to be the easiest money they've ever spent when they give him a big extension. Yeah, he's he's tackling better. Uh, he was he was surprisingly good at tackling his rookie year. That's not he came in as a you know a, a ball hawk. Um, he kind of slipped last year and wasn't good at tackling. He, he he struggled a little bit early this year, but he has he's gotten better as the year has gone along. He makes those. I mean, he's a thumper back there. He he's gotten a couple penalties because of a couple hits that he's had, but he's laying some shots on some guys. He's he's not just this like 
single high free safety they're running around almost like an extra cornerback back there he's he's playing physical uh he's he's got great ball skills he's just he's been a a difference maker on a defense that desperately needs one I mentioned uh, easiest money they've ever spent. It's kind of funny. We, we've we've spent the last few off seasons debating the guys who are at the top of the priority list for extensions because they really haven't had anybody to pay. That they want to. We want to be draft develop retain, but we drafted and we didn't really develop, and so we can't really retain it. We don't. We got to spend our money on something, which is how you end up spending all that money on free agency. Who they want to be is the team that makes Jesse Bates the highest paid safety in football, and and it, it is going to be. It's got to be so nice for them to just have an easy decision to make on who to give all the monies to. You know, it's like yeah. Mixon, there were you had angst about that. You weren't really comfortable uh, because of running back. I mean, you want to give it to him, but how much? And then AJ Green, ah, he's old, he's been injured. I don't know. You've gotten, uh, you know, back to Gino and Carlos. God, they're in their 30s. I don't know. This is a guy who's at the top of his game, who has some pride in being here, who it, you drafted, you developed cornerstone of your defense going forward push all the monies onto him he's going to be extension eligible should be their number one priority i would think uh come extension season next year uh easy game you know the same way tyler boyd was the same way tyler boyd was and and boyd you know boyd didn't demand as much money Bates will demand money safety money's pretty has gotten pretty decent that market has gone up but it's worth it I think it's worth it, and uh, they should have the money for it. Uh, and I, you know, I think Jesse Bates has confirmed this year that he's going to be a very rich man, which he probably already was going to be, but now he's going to be have lots of riches. So, congratulations to uh, to him. And I'd like to say more nice things about him. So maybe he'll buy me a sandwich sometime. I mean, he's a guy that we you saw it when he first came in as a rookie. He just had he kind of had that <clears throat> excuse me that Joe Burrow persona. He had that. That confidence without being cocky, you you could just tell this guy's a future leader. Um, we didn't know if he was going to actually be able to play or not. He was a second round pick. You thought he would be able to, but he, you're right. He's just the way he's played, the way he's carried himself. Um, he's he's everything they want to build this franchise around. Absolutely. All right, I think we're going to get to some of the more challenging ones now, but we'll we'll see where it ends up. Okay, so next one is pleasant surprise. What is the pleasant surprise of this year? Okay. One, two, three. T. Logan Higgins. Wilson. Ooh, there you go. I have Wilson. I have Wilson written down here as my honorable mention. I'll let you open and de- defend. Defend Logan Wilson. Um, I I kind of expected T. Higgins to play a role like this. Um, Logan Wilson, I wasn't quite so sure. And linebacker's been such a hole. And I mean, look, he had his first missed tackle of the year last week. Uh, he's got two picks. He's got a sack, guys, first sack of the year last week. I mean, he's just, he, he's not, he's basically playing on third down. So he's, he, he hasn't had the impact of being an every down player like T. Higgins has. But you kind of wondered coming out of a smaller school like Wyoming, um, they they pick they pick him in the third round. Was he gonna be a guy that was gonna be another third round linebacker bust? Um, and he hasn't. He's he's just he's looked. He I, I'm not putting him in the MVP category or anything like that. But I just I, I'm pleasantly surprised with with the, how well he's played um, in his limited role on that defense. I agree, and I think we if you know we judge by last week, we saw his role expand. 
I would not be surprised if he is a three-down linebacker before we know it um, for them. I think he's kind of started to earn that. You know, they they've it's the one position where they've kind of been able to ease him in, ease the rookies in a little. Bit. I mean, you know, we I was surprised early on how much they were playing, but they've still there's still been some limit. They haven't gone too hard on those guys, asking too much of them. Um, they've asked a lot, but I think. You know, you've now eased Logan Wilson and seen enough that I think you're comfortable expanding it even more. And you wonder how long until he's the guy out there, all three downs. Um, T. Higgins, for me, I just, I think, yeah, you expected him to play a role. I did not expect him to already look like a, a, a future number one. Here's the thing I went through, I think it was this week or last week, maybe, and Twib. And looked at guys, rookies that have crossed the 900 yard mark, which he's on pace for almost a thousand um, after this past week. And I think really he's on pace for over a thousand when you consider that the last how since he really got his role going, what he's averaging per game, and if that's what he continues the rest of the year, he's going to go over a you know a grand. And you could have him and Boyd over a thousand, and that's I mean talk about a trio, Burrow. Burrow and Boyd and T. Higgins as your your core, you know, you've got them signed up for a while. They're going to be playing together. That's It's a scary thing. But when you look at guys that average that, their rookie year, they come in and do that, the names on that list the last decade, about 14 guys, are all stars in this league, are all number ones outside of maybe one or two that ended up being duds. Calvin Benjamin, I think, kind of flamed out. But outside of that, almost the entire list are your Odell Beckhams, your A.J. Greens, you know, you're real guys, real guys. And T. Higgins is doing that. And he looks like it. It's eye test. It's numbers test. It's all those things. I mean, we, we've seen this career arc before. He looks like he looks like 2011 A.J. Green. He really does. This is what A.J. Green looked like in 2011. And he's doing everything. He gets separation. He, he got insane, you know, contested catch, ball, you know, the radius, He's got, he's got some some yak to him. He's been able to, and he's just he's just picked it up and developed this chemistry with Burrow. That's been really something to watch. And I don't know that I thought he would look like that. I mean, I thought by the end of the year, you know, you might see him start to look like it a little bit. But he already looks like, hey, well, there's your number one for next year. And you know, we'll see what what that means for AJ Green. Um, but I think it makes it a whole lot easier to watch AJ Green walk out the door if that's what happens, because you've got a number one, or you, you should believe you do. You should believe you have a number one wide receiver in T. Higgins for the next however many years, and you have arguably the best slot receiver in football in Tyler Boyd for the next couple of years, and a top ten quarterback for the next few years. That is a foundation you can build on. Yeah, and I mean, imagine where he'd be if he didn't have the injury in training camp. And the other the other question there is I, I'd, I'd be interested to go back and look at your list and how many of those guys, you know, like the AJs, the Julio Jones, the ones that were high, high draft picks when they come into teams and they're the guy right off the bat. Um, I think this is almost better for T that he's coming in and um, he's he's surpassed AJ in terms of production, but he's. He's still in that kind of that deference role to the the veteran. He he he's got 
it was his idol growing up. He's, he's able to learn at his feet. He's got a pro like Tyler Boyd. Um, he doesn't have to come in and, and be that guy right off the bat. And he's just kind of, he, he just seems like that humble, happy go lucky, happy to be in the NFL type of, type of kid. And I think that is going to, that's going to pay off down the road. I, 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 you're right. He, he already looks like a number one and, um, I'm excited to see what the rest of his career is going to look like because, even though I kind of thought his production would be in this range, I, I still think there's more levels to get to with him. Yeah, there. I mean, there is there is no doubt. Um, so let's move on to the next category. Uh, next category is since we've been nice, we did the positives now. A biggest disappointment. Biggest disappointment. All right, one, two, three. Pass Joe Mixon. Rush. Yeah, that's that's yeah. both both certainly come into play. Uh you can you can uh you can make arguments for both. I mean the I mean to me I just kind of broad brushed the entire defensive line and pass rush and I mean the, the fact that they have they got they have nothing and they've had to trade away Carlos Dunlap uh, and the disasters happen there. The nothingness they're getting from Geno Atkins um is is underperforming even for his standards. Um and Carl Lawson has been good, but with nobody else really helping without Sam Hubbard in there, it's killing them. It's killing them because, you know, these games where they're trying to put away leads, they can't finish because they got no pass rush to finish. You know, they can't they can't get off the field enough because they can't get back in the in, 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 when they know they're passing. You know, the the ability to do that is is hurting them in these, you know, two minute drills, the ends of these games. Uh, they they need a finisher and they just they don't have it right now. And they had shots. They had they played a game against Philip Rivers, guys that were they should have had a pass rush on. And you're right. If I, when I went through these this list, I was I was picking out specific um, players. If if it was a if it was a broader brush thing, I, I think maybe I would have gone with with pass rush as well. The, the, the Joe Mixon, my choice, Joe Mixon is a little. There's a relativity element to it. Number one. There's just naturally higher expectations with the contract. Um, but you have to look too. He, he is not, his numbers aren't great this year, but neither is his offensive line. So that plays into it. And he's missed two games with an injury. But I, I still, I just, I expected more with the way the, the second half ended last year, which that offensive line wasn't great. They found a way to run the ball. You, you really thought, or I really thought that this running game was going to be much better this year and it just hasn't been um so that that's why I went with Mixon there but I, I I would I would put pass rush 1A Yeah I you know I agree with a lot of all the things you're saying about Joe Mixon and we talked a little bit in the walkout about is it time to see more of a role for Gio Bernard for a lot of the reasons that we talked about with the offensive line conversation and that is Play the guys that fit your primary weapon and who you are now and your Joe Burrow's team throwing the ball and Giovanni fits that more so than Mixon. Mixon does. I mean, is, well, he's very dynamic. You know, we saw this last year. I mean, last year they were awful running the ball in the first half and found a way to get it going in the second half. I do put Mixon's performance, you know, a lot of it on the offensive line. I mean, it and the scheme, you know, is it – because obviously you've got to – he's got some different way that you've got to scheme him up or whatever it is. You know, I don't think it's been a matter of a – there's been some, definitely some, but not a ton of – 
oh, oh, you know, Mixon totally blew that. It was wide open and he bounced it or he, you know, didn't make this guy miss or whatever. I think it's been a lot of him just getting beat up in the backfield and having not really having space. I still think he's a good player. I still think he's super dynamic. I still think, you know, you saw against Jacksonville what he can do when he gets it rolling. But, uh, you know, there's no doubt um, that he has not been as good. And and I think I'll 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 go ahead and blow this one because in our most overrated category come up is is who I have Joe Mixon. Hmm. Not necessarily that Joe is not a good player. It's that people overrate the impact. It goes back to the contract conversation. He's not what makes this team go. He's not what makes this offense go. If there's anything we've learned the last two weeks without him out there. Joe Burrow is what makes this go. This passing game is what makes this thing go. The people I just talked about as the foundation of this team is what makes it go. Joe Mixon is a nice piece to have with that. But, you know, I think people overrate him as, you know, the reason they they win games or should the, how they should win games is just by shoving it in his stomach a bunch. And it's just not. It's not it's not how teams win in this league and it's certainly not how this team is built. We will so his, see. Role, his role is overrated, I should say, yeah. more so than him as a playmaker. That makes sense. And we will see if if he gets that second half bump again this year, not because they're going to do what they did last year and rip up the run game. Maybe maybe they do at the bye. Who knows what they're doing right now? But just the the colder weather, the the even though this is a passing Joe Burrow-led team, um, it, it's still the AFC North. Uh, it's still going to get cold in November and December and maybe we do see him them lean on him a little bit more um, assuming he comes back from the, the the foot injury which again they didn't put him on IR so they're not expecting it to be a long-term thing um, but we did not get a timeline from Zach uh, about whether Joe would be available so next time we talk to Zach will be uh, Monday I believe and we'll, we'll have more then um, my overrated was Geno Atkins just because yep I mean <laughs> just because he is um, it, it, part of it is the role that they've put him in with being just a third down pass rush specialist, but he still, even in that capacity has not done anything. He did show up on the stat sheet last week, two pressures. Yeah. Um, so first, that was first numbers of the season for Gino. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> uh, baby steps, but um, yeah, you just, you expected so much more from him, um, especially with, on a defensive line that has been decimated that needs somebody to step up and be a playmaker up there. And it, it just hasn't happened. Um, so again, that's another one. Um, we'll, we'll see what the second half looks for him. If he's going to stay in this role or if it's going to get expanded and he's going to start playing a little bit more on first and second down. Yeah. I mean, he needs to play a little bit better on third down probably before yeah. you even do that. But you know, that's a hot topic that we've done before and, and beating that up pretty good. All right, let's take a quick break. Most underrated. One, two, three. Bobby, Bobby Hart. Hart. Oh man, the Bobby Hart love fest. Let's all hug it out. Let's all duck. Let's <laughs> let's all hug it out for Bobby Hart. You know, he, I, all of us have done it at some point. Made the Bobby Hart joke. Taken our shots. They, many of them have been deserved. Quietly. Maybe not so quietly. <laughs> uh, he has been he has been solid over there. He has he has been not the problem. He's not great. He is never going to be Willie Anderson. Uh, 
Um, but he has been stable enough to allow this offense to work and had some tough matchups, you know, and held his own, uh, you know, against Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett as much as anybody really can in some of the bit tougher spots this year. And he's had his fair share of issues, you know, but I think he's been the best Bobby Hart he can be. And that's all we can ask of anyone, right? Just be your best self, live your best life. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my point is he's not the answer. He's not the future, um, but he's not deserving of the slings and arrows and worse that he gets um, on social media or or I don't know. I don't know if people are coming up and saying it to him in his face or not. I doubt it, but he, he has been much better than what the perception of him is. I mean, that that was like the almost the biggest takeaway from that crazy Carlos Dunlap uh, Instagram thing that he had that Monday night was all the people on there. Bobby Hart shows up and all the people just ripping him knowing he's <laughs> reading it. I mean, it's like he has, he has not been that bad. He's, he's athletic out there. Um, he's, he's not been perfect, but the, his penalties are down. Uh, his pressures allowed are down. He's, he's holding down that position. He has not been the liability that, that everyone makes him out to be. Yeah, that was, that was probably the best part of that then, I think. But <laughs> just destroying Bobby Hart. It's like, oh. I mean, I, I feel I do feel bad for these guys who become targets. We've seen this with Randy Bullock. We saw this for a long time with Andy Dalton. We've seen just, just guys who just become we, we've decided you're the one that sucks, right? For whatever reason that it happens, that these things happen, you know, group think. You know, PFF grades, whatever it is, you know, it's, it, it happens for a number of different reasons. These guys, they're just they're put out there doing their best, trying to do their job, and and just the the vitriol and disgusting stuff that gets thrown in their way on social media. I don't know how any of them have these accounts. Like, I can't. I have someone creating. So there's there's somebody who was just sending garbage to me, and I. Like his name was like Joey Snotnose. He created an account called Joey Snotnose. So I block him because he sent some garbage. There's a few things that I just don't tolerate. I blocked him. Next thing I know, Mama Snotnose shows up, a newly created Twitter account just to send more garbage at me. Block it. And here's Daddy Snotnose. It's like this dude is just creating new Snotnoses just to angrily tweet at me. And I'm like, uh, do that times a million with some of these guys see who are just out there trying to play football you know what i mean and maybe they're not good you know maybe you have a bad day at your job well you don't have to go and be called every name in the book and told how much you suck you know every time you open up the internet uh it's i i that stuff is is crazy it really is um we'll we'll move on from that i i see you mama snot nose i see what you're doing and i don't like it Second co- second cousin snot nose coming tomorrow. Oh yeah, I mean, there's going to be a whole family of snot noses. <laughs> I know it. I mean, it's going to be like 19 and counting. Uh, all right, let's do your coach of the year. So, one, two, three. Everyone Al who touched Golden. Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Al Golden. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll hear that. To, uh, open up your defense on that one. Well, I mean, it sounds crazy to pick anybody on the defensive side of the ball at this point, but I, I do think that he is kind of he's a he's a reason that that 
Logan, I had Logan Wilson as a, a pleasant surprise. Um, they handed him a aging veteran and Josh Bynes and three rookies. And the linebacker has not been the liability that it's been in the past. And that that's not really glowing coach of the year material there. But when you when you consider how bad the linebackers had been, the linebacking position had been, I, I think he has really brought some stability to that. And we've seen better play from the linebackers. You, you don't have guys just running wild and and free and open in the middle of the field. Um, we haven't seen that they're in better position to, to make tackles. Um, there's, there's problems on that defense, but they, they don't start at linebacker and, and that's, that's progress. Yeah. I, I mean, I would, I, I had that as a consideration for sure. Um, I just, I have a hard time not giving it to somebody who got a rookie quarterback without any preseason or OTAs um, playing at this level. And so much of that goes to number nine. And, you know, you got to be that guy in order to pull that off. There's no coach that can make you do this. But I think allowing him to be him, that goes all the way back to taking his LSU playbook and shoving it in here and not being afraid to use empty set despite an offensive line that has a whole lot of questions. Uh, And letting him go and throw it a bunch and be a playmaker and, and, you know, try to work through that. And he's gotten so much more efficient with that. Embrace his personality as a player, not try to, you know, I think you could see other coaches, um, not necessarily the ones that have been here, but coaches around the league who would be like, let's ease him in. Okay. Let's try to have a running game. Let's not let him go take a bunch of hits and nobody wants him to take a bunch of hits. But, you know, let's just let's just take it easy. Let's just, you know, we don't need to go full passing. They have from the beginning been like, we have an elite quarterback. We're treating him that way from day one, week two, 61 passes, you know, day one. It's been open it up. Let Burrow cook. Right. And it has paid off for them. And that is, you know, having him there to understand this playbook having him to the point that he's able to get his, uh, you know, see the steady improvement that he's made, work with him on that. And just, you know, whatever it is that's, that they've done, it has worked. So that goes from Zach Taylor to Brian Callahan to Dan Pitcher, quarterback's coach, to Brad Cragthorpe, also in the quarterback room. I mean, all, anybody that has been in that room working with that guy to get him playing at this level already, to me, has to be in that conversation and, and I'm, I would give it to them. So I've, I'm broad brushing again. I'm totally cheating at this game. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, we'll I, allow it. Yeah. I have an honorable mention for Robert Livingston. Yeah. Um, who I, I talked about that. I was on, uh, on my hour with Mo that I do every Tuesday. We, I brought up Robert Livingston and, and I don't feel like he gets the shine he deserves. Um, because he is the perfect coach for this team. And I think it has, sh- it has paid off in Jesse Bates because his background in scouting, his background in talent evaluation that he had here, you know, they ask coaches to do that here. You are in the mix. Your opinion matters on draft day. If you're a position coach here, you do your homework. You're on the, you know, when you're on the road, you're on the road, but you're, you're, you're part of that. And he was a huge part of knowing that Bates has the skills to be this guy in the selection of him. He's been in his room. He's developed him. 
And now you've seen him take up this giant step. If we're going to talk about guys taking big leaps and getting better every year, Robert Livingston has been hand in hand with Bates. And, you know, Von Bell's had his moments, uh, certainly, but the safety room has been solid. Um, and for the most part, and, and I, you know, when you have the guy who's been the star of the defense that you basically has been under your wing the entire time and, and you're the one that also helped, you know, pinpoint him in the beginning, uh, he deserves a lot of credit for the role he's played in, in Bates' development and even just being here. Yeah, and an underrated part of that is he's had to kind of deal with the the, the Sean Williams demotion and keeping that that room together and not letting you know Sean turn into what we talked about earlier a Carlos Dunlap or a, a John Ross. Um, that's that it's not all X's and O's. Part of it is managing people, and um, he, Sean's playing well in, in the in the limited role that he has. Um, so I, I think that is another. Uh, feather in, in Livingston's cap because that that's not an easy situation to have a guy that's been the starter for a long time. You go out and you sign a guy and you say, okay, now you're the starter, you're the you're the backup, um, and he's he has not let that room fracture the way some other ones have. Totally agree. Um, all right, so our last two, and they maybe they've I don't know. We'll see. Most improved. Most improved. One, two, three. Drew Jesse Sample. Bates. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I liked your sample. Go ahead. I, I, just, I mean, it was there was plenty of room to improve. He, he he didn't play well last year as a rookie. He he missed a big chunk of the year with the injury. Um, but he's he's been a solid guy this year. And it's not just, you know, they drafted him because of his his blocking skills, but he's he's had a couple games where he's been targeted a bunch. By by Joe Burrow and he's made some clutch catches, gotten some first downs. Um, he he's been a guy that you know that they hoped he could be where you can utilize him in the in the passing game. He's not just a, an extra blocker on that offensive line when they're running it. Um, I I don't know you know he's never going to be the Tyler Eifert type, but if you've got a guy that that can get out and and get you first downs. Um, in in tight in, on third and five, third and six, those kind of when when the other when the receivers are covered. Um, I just I, I think, and we kind of saw it in in training camp. Even he he his hands looked better. Um, so I I just think he's he's taking a a noticeable jump. I like Jesse Bates because it was he was pretty good last year. Um, it, but he has he has made a a big jump as well. It doesn't necessarily most improved doesn't have to be like oversight to now contributing um you you can be good and go from great so i i I like your Bates pick yeah no and and one thing on drew sample can we stop talking about the fact he was drafted in the second round like can people at a certain point you got to stop categorizing people by what whether they were overdrafted or not and just look at them as football players and are they making contribution are they playing well i mean this this stupid thing like hangs over his head where every time you mention oh if he makes a good play be like yeah i mean he was still overdrafted but it's like why does it have to be like that i it's the guys come into the league in different spots and like just let the guy be a player and you know be a solid contributor on on the team i mean i i i just i just want us to be done with that and be done with the where a guy was drafted stuff and just view him as a football player and judge him on the way he plays on Sundays on the field. Can we do that? Can we all make that, you know, truce, pinky swear for everyone on that one? 
We should uh, when it's an undrafted guy. Everybody says it doesn't matter how you got here; it's what you do once you're here. But <laughs> that doesn't seem to be the case when it's a second round guy. Right? Uh, they, 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 everybody wants to hang on how he got here. Yes. Um, all right. So must improve. Must improve. One, two, three. Jonah Michael Williams. Jordan. Oh, wow. Jonah Williams. Okay. I don't think Go he's ahead. been bad, but he hasn't been, you know, first round dominant. Like they need hey, him not, to be. It's not about what round they were in, Jay. <laughs> You're right. We just said that, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> but you know, for for a first round left tackle, you you need that guy to be a a franchise pillar. And and yeah, he's still technically a rookie and he hasn't played bad, but if for this team to go where they want to go, he has to get better. He has to play like a a top five, top ten offensive tackle in the league, and he's just not quite there yet. Yeah, and it is it is early, and it's his first year, and and we'll see how that development goes. I don't have as much of a problem with him, you know. Michael, Jordan, there was just so much buzz and excitement around Michael Jordan that, and he just hasn't quite lived up to it, you know. And they need, I mean, I guess maybe. He's not as much must improve now with all the additions that they've made that we talked about earlier in the pod um, because they have other options there and they have ability to have a leash there. But for him and for what they how they viewed him and the type of player they think he is for them as a team, he needs to be the guy that they felt like they were getting the massive jump from this year because he has he's kind of just looked like last year's guy a little bit. Um so they need they need to see that. So that's that's my view on it. All right, good run, good good midseason awards. If you don't like it, if you have problems with our picks, you have your own. Send let us know. Let us hear it. Send it to us on Twitter uh, at Paul Daner Jr. Uh, or you can always send it out to me and Jay, and we will uh, we'll listen to you. We'll hear you out. You know, um, just don't be a snot nose about it. Just don't be, don't be a mama snot nose. Don't be a Joey snot nose. <laughs> man uh all right uh you also of course always can hit us up for the growler bets when we do the growler um no winner last week very 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 close the final number ended up being 24.8 which henry was 6.2 yards per carry and pff had four missed tackles some controversy in there sport radar had seven missed tackles for the Bengals, so you know Judge as you wish, but we said before it was going to be the PFF missed tackle number, which was four. That put it to 24.8. Shout out Nick Albers. Oh, so close. So close. 24.5. You get the shout out, but no beer. Uh, no delicious 50 West beer. Christmas cookie out now. No Christmas cookie for you. You got to go buy it yourself. You had me uh, all excited but- for Christmas cookie. I went to Jungle Gyms last Friday and... They didn't have it there yet, so uh, maybe, maybe this Friday I can find maybe, it. Maybe this Friday. we to get Optimistic Bobby on the show and ask him, what's up? Where's that, where's that <laughs> Christmas cookie? Jay needs his Christmas cookie. Uh, we do have a run passer boot before we head out of here. Um, it's a second half one. We'll, of course, have some more time next week to get in the second half, but we got to do a run passer boot before we leave. So let's do it real quick. Run passer boot. Bengals' second half of the season most likely to happen. Bengals beat Steelers. Bengals have winning record. Burrow has a 3-1 to touchdown-interception ratio. What do you think? Well, I think if Burrow has a 3-1 to touchdown-interception ratio, the other two are going to happen as well. 
Um, I'm, they have two shots at the Steelers. I'm going to run with that as crazy as it sounds, as much as the Steelers have owned them. Um, not necessarily calling for the upset next week in Pittsburgh, but I think there's a pretty good shot. They can, they can get them on Monday night football here in Cincinnati. Um, I'll run with that. Um, I'll pass on Burrow having the three to one touchdown interception ratio. That's crazy for a rookie. Um, but I could see it happening. He's, he's at 11 and five right now. So he's over two to one. And a couple of those, one of the interceptions was on Drew Sample. One was a, just a bad flip decision. Um, I, I could see him getting better in his decision making. And I can see this offense getting better and, and him throwing more touchdown passes, especially I don't see the defense getting that much better. So he's going to have to throw a lot more. Um, and then I'll boot the winning record, uh, five and three, just, it, it, it just seems a little too optimistic after a two and five, one start. I do think they're going to play better in the second half, uh, but I, I think five and three would be asking for too much. The thing about, uh, the Burrow interception mark is he's also had a lot that should have been intercepted. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he's had <laughs> one he's uh, had, Sunday. He's definitely had some turnover worthy plays, if you will, to drop a PFF for you, um, that have been lucky that he doesn't have more picks. That said, uh, you know, you'd expect his efficiency probably to only get better. I'm running with winning record. I, mm-hmm. I, I think. It, I, the, with the way the schedule sets up, I, I think it can happen, and I don't, you know, it it, it would be impressive. But if they, you know, if the offense, if Burrow stays healthy and the offense plays like this, and the defense can, you know, find some semblance of themselves, you know, I, th- they, I mean, they'll be favored. You think about their schedule. I mean, they'll be favored in a bunch of these games. <laughs> All three NFC East games, they'll probably be favored in. Maybe not against well, maybe not at you know maybe not at Washington. Maybe not at Washington, but maybe they should be. Uh I mean are they might be favored in three. Houston, they might be favored in that game. By the time you get to Christmas, yeah. The, what direction Houston's going? I mean, Miami's playing pretty good. That might be, you know, that's a tougher game, but I mean, that's five right there where you would classify them as extremely winnable. I mean, these are those are not, you know, the contenders. And then you have two against the Steelers and the Ravens uh, in the in the final week, and we'll see what kind of position they're in. You mentioned the Steelers game. I'm I'm uh, I'm booting the Steelers. I I I, <laughs> I just I mean it is what it is. Like it it's not a good matchup. The Bengals matchup is not against a team that just destroys the passer. Like that's not a good matchup for them. It hasn't been all year. It won't be. Um, and I they're not there yet. I'm really intrigued by that Monday night home game. I think it is the game of the second half. It is the game that will could be your foundation for next year. It could be your 2003 Chiefs win game that sets the stage for 2021 in every way. Um, I'm, I think it's the most interesting game on the entire schedule because you know, they're not ready to go to Heinz and win, and, and you know, but they can learn from that. That said, I, I just I still just don't see it, so I'm booting that, and then I'll, I'll pass on the three to one. I think there's possibility. I mean, I, I give it a better possibility probably than beating the Steelers, because um, I just th- I just think you know Burroughs just played very well. All right, a lot of second half uh, to talk about. We will get to that, and of course on Monday though we will dive fully into Joe Burrow. 
Um, looking forward to that, not just what we're going to have on the episode, but also everything we're going to have on the site. So keep an eye out for that coming to you on Monday. Uh, no growler this week because no game, but we hope everybody has enjoyed it. Even you, Joey Snot knows. I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, but that'll wrap it up. And uh, so we'll be talking to you on the Burrow episode on Monday. Uh, enjoy the weekend, everybody. Have a good one.